God's holy people. And we come to worship God. In the scripture, God condemns Aaron's son for bringing strange fire. They came to worship in a, in a way that was not ordained by God. And God wiped them out because they did not come on his terms. And today we come to worship God on his terms. His terms that we bow, we humble, we recognize he's Lord of all. And we give him praise, we give him honor, we give him glory. And we bow down by our will. We surrender our will to the sovereignty of his will. We come into this house and God have your way. God move in this place. Do what you desire to do. We're ready. We're positioned. We're postured. Have your way. You're an awesome, awesome God. What a mighty God we serve. Please stand with me. Grab your Bibles. Go with me. I'm supposed to be starting a new sermon series today, but I'm not going that way. We're going somewhere else today. We're going to an oldie but a goodie. Go with me quickly to Matthew 28. God has led me this way this week. I was trying to get to that other sermon series. Well, you know, camp right here. Pocket right here. And that's what we come to do. Matthew 28. When you get there, you say amen. Say good morning to all those who are online this morning. Let me say a word about online viewership. Thank God for all of you who view online far and near. Thank God for you. But when I've been out, when I've been away on vacation, I did some viewing online myself, watching services. And I know it can be a distraction. It can be a difficult thing. You're trying to cook. You're trying to eat. You look at your phone. Some of you might even have your Bible with you when you're there. I want to encourage you to force yourself to worship. You can't replicate being in this house. But in the house you're in right now, I encourage you to try to remove yourself from all distractions that you can be fully engaged in this service. Don't audit this service. This ain't BET you watching. I want you to encourage you to worship God. If you're going to join us, join us. Be all there. Because I know how difficult it can be online. We thank God for you. But I want you to engage. And when the time is right, when God tells you to do so, I want you to mask up. I want you to gear up. And you make yourself to this house of God around the people of God. You believe God enough to take care of you, protect you. Because I'm going to tell you what, somebody said it, I think Sister Carla said it, Sister Lisa Bowler said that with this, with this pandemic going on now, you know what? It's probably going to hit most of us sometime, somehow. But it will not take us out. Amen. It will Amen. not take us out. Amen. We're going to learn how to minister, how to live, how to worship throughout this pandemic. We're not going to sit on our hands and hope it pass someday. No, it don't have to pass. The God whom we serve give us the wisdom what to do. Amen. Y'all know I've been gone. I got a whole lot to say. <laughs> Matthew 28, beginning at verse 16. The word of God says, but the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated to them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him but some were doubtful. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, or lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
I want to preach this morning one tag with the title, Don't Keep Drifting Off. Don't Keep Drifting Off. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, here we are. Thank you for bringing us back. We've been through so much and experienced so much. Some been away and had a great time. Some been away because they've had a tough time. Some have gone through COVID. Some through sicknesses. Some have been to hospitalizations. But God, through it all, you're still God. And we gather again here in this sacred assembly, Lord, to be changed, to be challenged by you. I ask and pray as always, God, that your spirit will prevail in this place. That, God, you will glorify yourself and not let us touch your glory or rob you of any glory. It's all yours. Father, have your way in this place right here, right now. Lord, I pray, I pray, I pray, Almighty God, that you would empower me, embolden me, touch me, God, at this very precise moment that, God, I may preach your word with power. Let your will be done. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I do pray. Amen. Amen and amen. You'll be seated in the presence of the Lord. We'll get to that series next Sunday. But today I want to talk about do not keep drifting off. Saying that all week I thought about the story I read some years ago about the young man from Atlanta, Georgia who had the night munchies for some crispy fried chicken. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean some real fried chicken. He had a munchies for it. Just had to have that good seasoning fried chicken. That southern fried chicken. The kind that you know that you have the, the black skillet and you, and you put the, the, you know, the grease in it and you know, the kind that kind of bubbles and has a whole house smelling like fish. I was smelling like chicken, but you just enjoy it because you need some fry. Every now and then, every child of God needs a piece <laughs> of deep southern fried chicken. I know we got some vegans in the house and vegetarians in the house, but maybe there's some vegetarian fried chicken. I don't know. So he found a place in Atlanta, and he called in to order a request for some crispy fried chicken. And while he was online waiting for his total, he asked the question because the place that he called, he wanted to know one, his curiosity got the best of him. And the question is, why is this place called the Church of God Grill? Why is it called the Grill? Why didn't it just call the Grill? Why didn't it call the actual chicken shack? Why the Church of God Grill? The man knows the line starts to chuckle. He says, it's called that because it used to be a church. We were a church. We were a fully functioning church. See, but times got tough and times got hard and times got rough. And so we started selling chicken dinners after Sunday service to pay the bills. And wouldn't you just know that the chicken business grew faster than the church business? We had more people coming for chicken they coming for church. So we made a leadership decision. And we decided to shut down the church and start selling chicken. 
And it's now called the grill of God. It's called the grill because of the very fact is that we decided to start doing something else. We just drifted off and started doing something else. That's not just true about Atlanta. It can also be true about all of us and any of us in the household of God today. Because the truth be told, we too have gone through some tough stuff. We too have gone through some rough stuff. We too have had some hard, difficult days in the past and more to come in the future. And some of you on the sound of my voice right now, you're on the precipice of right now choosing the church of your will, the chicken of your will over the church of God's will. You're in right now on the thrust, on the precipice of choosing your own chicken of your will over God's assignment for you and God's calling for you and God's gifting of you and God's purpose for you. You're right now in the midst of choosing chicken over church and you're about to drift off. Do we have any drifters in the house today that know what I'm talking about? That you have drifted off. You've drifted off from reading the Bible. You've drifted off from studying the Word of God. You've drifted off from serving God. You've drifted off because the pandemic has not only brought into our culture division, it's also brought in a disruption in the household of God that many of God's people have drifted off from the things and the ways and the word of God. But here's the good news. We're still here. I said we're still here. Somebody ought to put a praise right there. We're still here. Do you not realize that we're still here? In spite of bird flu, in spite of swine flu, in spite of mad cow disease, in spite now of monkeypox, in spite of whatever pox may come in the future, we're still here. As the body of Christ, we're still here. But why? Why? Why is the church still here? For one reason, to make disciples. No other reason. We exist. We are here. The church remains on planet Earth. The church has not closed. This church has not closed for one single reason. Make disciples. That's it. That's it. And that's why the Lord is telling us, you can't drift off. You can't drift off. This text, this familiar text, is written by Matthew. Matthew is a Jew who's writing to Jews about a Jew named Jesus. He's declaring that this Jesus is a fulfiller of every messianic prophecy. That's why throughout Matthew's gospel account, he keeps saying, in order to fulfill what had been written by the prophet. And the fact that Jesus shows up on planet Earth is proof positive that the 400 years of silent revelation between Malachi and Matthew, that God's plan of redemption for his people is still alive and well. And now Jesus called this rendezvous on a mountain that the people may know that while you are still here, don't drift off. Your assignment, disciples, are to make disciples. 
I got to go. But when I go, you're still here. And I'm leaving you here for one reason alone. Make disciples. And I like how Matthew starts this text. He starts talking about they had to go to a mountain in Galilee. I love that. Because throughout Matthew's gospel account, he always lets us know that Jesus does some of his greatest work on a mountain. I said he does it on a mountain. In Matthew 4, Jesus does a duel with the devil on a mountain and wins. In Matthew 5 through 7, the great sermon on the mountain, he extrapolates new living from a kingdom perspective on a mountain. In Matthew 14, after feeding 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, and they did not run out, Jesus made sure that he didn't run out because he spent time on a mountain, verse 23, praying to his father. And in Matthew chapter 17, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, the boys, up to the mountain of transfiguration and showed them a snapshot of his coming glory. And his face became radiant and his garments became like light. And he showed them all that on a mountain because sometimes God has to move you to manifest himself to you. God did not say, meet me in Jerusalem. He did not say, meet me at the temple. He did not say, meet me at my mom and them house. He didn't say that. He said, meet me a week's journey in Galilee because all of God's blessings, all of God's promises are not always on ground level. Sometimes you got to go up. And he said, meet me on a mountain. But everything in this rendezvous don't seem right. And this post-resurrection rendezvous don't seem right. Why you say that, preacher? Because in verse 17, the Bible says, when they saw him, some worshiped, but some were doubtful. There's a duplicity on the mountain. Some worship. Proskineu is the word. They bowed down. They, they bowed down and worshiped him. They, they, they fell before his feet and worshiped him. Because that's what you do with a resurrected king. You worship him. But then... There also some doubted, meaning they hesitated. They weren't sure. I don't know. Last time we saw you, you were hanging out on a cross. And they don't know. And on a mountain, you've got worship and doubt on the same mountain. Isn't that amazing? Well, what I tell you what's more amazing. Some of you have worship and doubt in your own hearts. You lift your hands and worship. Oh, yes, you do. He's, but inside, there's some lingering doubt that you're just not sure. Believers live with doubts. They're just not sure. They want it to be right. They want it to be sure. But sometimes you just don't know. And there's worship and doubt on that mountain. But here's what made me almost stand on my office desk and dance is that here is Jesus with this duplicity on the mountain, worship and doubt. And here is Jesus with these rascals. And here is Jesus that you read the text back in chapter 26, verse 56, that they all pulled a Judas on him because they all ran away and left him high and dry. And yet in the text, he never says a word about it. 
He doesn't throw shade on them. There's no animosity. There's no hatred. There's no, I'm going to get you now. There's, Jesus doesn't say a word about how they left him high and dry. He doesn't say anything. In fact, he sends them an actual invitation to the Galilean Leadership Summit. And he says nothing at all about what they did. What is that? Because God is trying to tell us something today. Is that in this ministry of Jesus Christ, in this ministry of discipleship, God uses mess-ups. You ought to rejoice that God uses mess-ups in his ministry. They messed up, and yet he still summoned them to the mountain. Oh, my goodness. You would have cut them at the knees. You would have cut them off. You would have cut them down. You would have called them everything but disciples. A whole lot of D words, but it wouldn't have been discipleship. Because you, God uses mess up in ministry. Like on July the 16th or so, we were watching World Championships of Track and Field. And there's this young man who is an NFL player, but he's an expert Olympic hurdler, 100 meters. And they were waiting for him to run because he was supposed to win the gold. And we were watching him. This boy is bad. This boy is fast. He's going to be playing in the NFL. And he didn't get a gold. He didn't get a silver. He didn't get a bronze. He didn't get anything. He didn't get to run. Why is that? He's at the very same question. Because now in track and field, they've got this new device, this new technology, in which there are sensors in the starting blocks. And if you would somehow, if you would lean, if you would twitch, if you would shake, within one one thousandth of a second, you are disqualified because the sensor says that you jumped the gun. The sensor says you messed up and mess ups can't run in Olympic races. And so they told him you disqualified because the sensor says you are a mess up and this place doesn't have any room for mess ups. I say, oh, thank you, God, for that illustration because I'm glad that what's true about my Savior is not true about that censor. I'm glad we serve a Savior who says, guess what? I understand when you twitch. I understand when you lean. I understand when you're shaking disobedient. And yet, I will not DQ you. I will not disqualify you. You can still run in my race because God still uses mess ups in his ministry of reconciliation. Am I right about it up in hell? Anybody? anybody let's just scroll the room and scroll the house and you scroll your house is anybody in here ever messed up then say yeah any mess ups in the house say yeah messed up with God's money say yeah messed up in your marriage say yeah oh God I feel it I'm glad to be back y'all say yeah messed up in your desire to stay clean and sober say yeah messed up with your mouth said some things that are not honorable in the sight of God. Say yeah. Messed up as a mother, as a father. Say yeah. If you're messed up, say yeah. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's called grace. God gives grace to all that can't get rights. Any can't get rights in the house. Yeah. Give God glory. Give God praise. 
Because the devil has lied to many of you. And he lied for a long time. Telling you and reminding you of your mess ups. And that God can't ever use you because of your mess ups. That you can never minister for God because of your mess ups. That, that somehow God won't, won't somehow use you. He's done with you because of your mess ups. And that's all you ever hear is your mess ups. And therefore you can never be a disciple or make a disciple because you messed up too much. Well, I want you to hear this. The devil is a lie. God has 66 books filled with folks that's messed up. We wouldn't love David if he didn't mess up. We wouldn't love Abraham if he didn't mess up. We wouldn't love Noah unless he loved the very nectar of the vine. He messed up. God is saying today that to all the believers in the house, you have to be a Phi Beta Kappa theologian. You just got to know Jesus. And God will use you. God will use you. He knows all about your track record. He knows all about your mom and your daddy. He knows all about what happened back in California. He knows all about what happened when you were incarcerated. He knows all about your midnight tipping. He knows all of And yet, he still says, I want to use you as a disciple to make disciples. I love, I love what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 1. But verse 26 to 31 and 32, Paul says, hey, consider your calling. Not many wise, not many noble, not many mighty, mighty. No, but God's chosen, chosen the foolish things, the weak things, the base things, the leftover, the left out. The disenfranchised. God chose them that he said that if anybody go boast in verse 31, boast in the Lord. Boast in the Lord. I am what I am. You are what you are. By the grace of God. It's by the grace of God. God's amazing grace. But if you don't capture verse 18, nothing else in this text matters. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, if you don't catch 18, nothing else matters. See, that's why online you got to have your Bible. Jesus says, all authority. Let that soak and sit and simmer in your spirit for a minute. Don't just read by that because you've read it so many times. All authority. Not some. Not most. Not more than others. All authority. You missed it. All authority. Not some. Not most. Not more than many. But all authority. All authority. In heaven and on earth. Oh, you missed it. All authority. In heaven and on earth. In heaven, every spiritual being. On earth, every human being. Everything in heaven and on earth. All authority. Well, what's this stuff talking about has been given to me? I thought we were talking about Jesus. What do you mean given to me? You look at Psalm number two in the Messianic prophecy. 
the royal psalm is called the psalm number two. And God promised that when Jesus completes his missionary mission, his messianic mission, that he will give him authority and rulership over all kings and authorities. In Ephesians 1, verse 21 to about 23, Paul writes and Paul said that when Jesus got up from the dead, God positioned him in a place of power above all powers, authority, dominions, and rule. And every name that shall come and every name that is, he's in a position of rulership is what he's talking about. So it's been given to him as a way of declaring that to Jesus' resurrection as the Messiah, that he's now over all, above all, more elated than all. He's, he's all in all. There's no one bad like him. Which means, Reverend Eddie, that this is not simply a proclamation. It's also a declaration of war. That Jesus is simply saying by all authority has been given to me that every enemy that you face, every enemy that I face, every enemy you encounter, don't you worry because I am king of kings and lord of lords. I shout by myself, king of kings and I'm lord of lords. When he got up out the grave, also he got up saying, I'm king of kings and I'm lord of lords. Ain't nobody bad like me, king of kings and Lord of Lords. Have you thought about that lately? He's King of Kings and he's Lord of Lords. What does that mean? Hey, wait a minute. He's King of Kings. King over our fears and he's Lord over our future. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's King over our adversaries and he's Lord over our anxiety. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is King over those who were trying to do us wrong. But he's also Lord over our insecurities. He's King of Kings and he's Lord of Lords. He's King over terroristic tendencies and he's Lord over our temptation. He's King of Kings and he's Lord of Lords. He's King, he's King over our haters and he's Lord over our health issues. He's King of Kings over our Supreme Court and he's Lord over our sorrows and our suffering. There ain't no witch. There ain't no warlock. There ain't no demon. There ain't no devil. There ain't nothing and nobody better than Jesus. Bow down, baby. Bow down and give him praise. Bow down and give him glory. Give him glory at the name of Jesus. Every knee, every knee, every knee shall confess. Give him glory. Bow down and give him praise. King of kings and Lord of lords. President of president, governor of governor, mayor of mayor. He's king of kings and he is Lord of lords. Crown him Lord. Ain't nobody bad like Jesus. Ain't nobody bad like Jesus. All authority. King of kings and Lord of lords. What Paul says, God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, under earth shall bow and give a unifying praise. Every atheist shall bow. Every agnostic shall bow. Every polytheistic person shall bow. 
Everybody, everything, every donkey, every cow, every goat, every hell shall bow in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He said, get that straight in your hands. I'm King of Kings and I'm Lord of Lords. We think we're serving a God that only paid card notes and bring back negative cancer results. Yeah, yeah. That's all we go to him for. No, king of kings. Before he told them anything else, he said, you better get who I am. And I think many of us drift off in the body of Christ because we forgot who Jesus is. We think we king of kings and we lord of lords till COVID comes. King of king and lord of lords till they lay you off. King of king and lord of lords until you bury your spouse. King of king and lord of lords until you bury your mom and daddy. King of king and lord of lords until your child says I don't love God nor you. This God we serve is King of Kings and his Lord of Lords. When I was studying, I, I, I couldn't get past that. And he said, now that you have understand my universal authority, let me give you a universal assignment. Therefore, because of what I just told you in verse 18. Therefore, make disciples. Make disciples. Make people who understand that they follow me. They're being changed by me. And they're committed to my, my mission. Make disciples. Make people who allow every vicissitude of their lives to come under the umbrella of my sovereignty. Make disciples. Make people who understand that whether you're in the gym or at the house or on vacation or on the job, that I'm to be represented wherever you are. Make disciples. Wherever you are, make disciples. But here's the elephant in the room. How? How, Pastor? How are we going to do this? How am I going to do this? It's in the text. Jesus' essence in telling them, you go do with somebody else what I did with you. That's really what he's explaining. We made it so convoluted, so theological. We're parsing every verb. And he made it simple. Look, 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 I'm sure I'm talking about. Look what he said. First thing he said, go. He said, listen. I brought you the gospel. You didn't come to me. I met you on your own turf. I came to you. He's in the same way. Now, church, you do the same to other people. Meet them right where they are. Meet them on their turf. Go to them. Bring it to them. Don't wait for them to come. Can't always be come. We got to go. Go. I, I came to you, so you go to them. Engage those who don't know me. You go. But then we said also, and then baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Those are terms of communal relationship. 
There's a community in the Godhead. So when you bring them the gospel, you also bring them into community. Bring them into community. I brought you into community. What did Jesus do with disciples? He had a communal relationship with them. He loved them. He lived with them. He hung out with them. He went to parties with them. He ate with them. He was real with them. He was vulnerable with them. You do the same thing. Bring them to community. Baptizing is what? A sign of communal relationship. You're in the community. You're in the body of Christ. So commune with them. Get with them and live with them. Play ball with them. Go to their house. Invite them to your house. Engage them. Be relational. Be real. Talk. Share. Just do life. Do life with them. I did life with you. Jesus did life. Read the gospel accounts. He did life. We got all these quasi-heretic theologians who writing about discipleship. And you need 20 of those and 15 of those and 90 of those. And yet it sells good books. But it's already in the book. It's simple. It's simple. The problem is we aim for the head. He aims for the heart. So he says, go, 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 go. I came, now you go. Now that, and commun- bring him to community. And then he says also, go bring him the word. Teaching them. Teaching them, he says. Verse 20, teach them to follow. In other words, Jesus says, I brought you the word. For over three years, Jesus said, I taught you. I taught you about righteousness. I taught you about, about, about relationships. I taught you about how to be real with people. I taught you about redemption. For three years, I taught you. I opened the scriptures, the sacred scriptures, and I taught you from the word of God. I showed you the actual interpretation. This is what they said, but here's what it really meant. I taught you, because there is no discipleship apart from the word of God. If you don't bring it to the word of God, you are not discipling. What you're simply doing is drinking coffee at Starbucks. And that's all. You can drink coffee at Starbucks, but don't let it only be coffee at Starbucks. You got to get to the canon of scripture. But he says, don't just teach them to learn. I told you, it ain't just about learning. It's about living. Teach them to obey. He said, I told you to obey about turning the other cheek. I told you to obey about being righteous. I told you how to obey what I said, not to be hearers, but doers. I told you that. Now you go teach them. It's simple. Make disciples. He's simply saying, do for them what I did for you. Many of us got saved and nobody discipled us. So we're in a quandary. What, 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 I don't know, I don't know. He says, okay, it's in the book. Follow the book. Just do what I did. It's not so complicated. But you're saying, oh, no. Oh, no. He says, here it is. Teach them to obey obedience. Don't just know a whole lot. Show a whole lot. Yeah. Obedience. Got to obey what God says. Gosh. So what's he trying to tell them? He says, listen, to do this is going to require you to invest in people. 
which means what, preacher? We got to regain our focus. He said, I'm telling you what to focus on. I'm telling you how to do it. Okay, 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 okay. Okay. Uh, The man tells a story about this hungry old lion. And the hungry old lion was famished and he wanted some food. So he began to sniff in the air and he picked up the scent of a deer. So he went chasing hard after the deer. But in the midst of chasing hard after the deer, he got another smell of a rabbit. So he left the deer and started chasing hard after the rabbit. But while chasing hard after the rabbit, he got another sniff in the air of a mouse. So he left the rabbit and he went chasing hard after the mouse. And when he's just about to catch the mouse, the mouse dipped into his old mouse hole beneath the earth. And at the end of the day, the old hungry lion had nothing. He was just a hungry old lion, worse off than what he started because he had no focus. He got too caught up chasing something else. Hey, I shout by myself. Because what's true about that old hungry lion is many times true about this house and your house online is that you look up and you ain't caught nothing, you ain't accomplished nothing, you ain't done nothing because you've been chasing deer and rabbits and mouse and you lost your focus and God is trying to tell you today, I want you to regain your focus and focus on one thing and this one thing is discipleship. You got to stop trying to be all things to all people and focus and line your life up on the reason why God left you here. He didn't just leave you here for your sons and your daughters. He didn't just leave you here for that crazy job. He didn't just leave you here to care for your aging parents. He left you here and left me here to make disciples. That's why we're here within the construct of life. But we're distracted. We're distracted. But this ain't Jesus' first rodeo. And the first time he dealt with folks who are unfocused. In Luke 14, about verse 15 to 24 or so there, 25, Jesus tells this story about this man who, who gives this big dinner and invites many to come. It's prepared, come, just come and enjoy. And the text says about verse 18, Luke 24, Luke, Luke 14, that uh, they all immediately began to make excuses. And one said, uh, 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 I got some land. I got some land. I need to go look at. So please excuse me politely. Another one says, you know what? I got some livestock. I got some five yoke of oxen that I just need to go try out. So please, sir, excuse me. And the last one says, I got a lady. I just got married. So you know I ain't coming. (laughs) They came back and told the master, Ain't nobody coming. And the master said, that's all right. That's all right. You go to the highways. You go to the byway. You go to some other folks. You go find the folks that's willing to respond to my invitation. And we're going to roll with what we got. Oh, help me, friendship. I'm saying that's the same mentality. I stand before you today. You should have hoped I would have stayed on vacation another week. But I came to tell you today, in the name of Jesus, we're going to roll with what we got. Whoever God gives that's willing to make disciples, we're going to roll with what we got. We're looking for some people 
that God has ordained and God has called and who love God more than dollars and love God more than excuses and, and love God more than convenience and love God more than being the king of the corporate heel. And you've decided, I'm going to carry out God's clarion call to make disciples. I may not be the best, but I'm not the worst. And what God wants me to do, I'm willing to do it. I'm going to sign me up for rolling with what we got. Do we have any rollers in this house? Wave your hand that say, Pastor, I'm a roll with what we got. I'm with you. I'm with it. I'm with the word of God. And sign me up. I'm a roll with what we got. Jesus says, this is what you do. And here's the good news. He promises, I'll be with you. Wait a minute. Some of you are saying, Pastor, that sounds scary. I just wanted a sermon, a good song, and a Sunday school class for my children. Pastor, that sounds scary. I don't want to mix anybody up. I'm still a little mixed up myself. And I don't want to mix my mix with they mix. So, Pastor, that sounds a little scary. Some of you are saying, Pastor, that sounds a little scary. Because you know I'm not a perfect person. You know I still drink a little bit. And I cuss a whole lot. Do we have any little bit drinkers in the house? Any a whole lot cussers in the house? Where you at in the house? Anybody know what I'm talking about? This friendship, y'all. And y'all know I'm going to ask the question. All the drinkers in the house and all the cussers in the house, wave your hand in the house. And you're saying, Pastor, this seems too elevated for me. I ain't been to College of Biblical Studies. I ain't been to seminary. I don't have a great theological library. I don't understand the difference between an adjective and a verb or a noun or a preposition. This sounds like too much for me. I ain't on that level. Y'all go on and do it, and I'll give you a tithe to do it, but it's too much for me. No! That's the same way the disciples felt. They felt the same way. This scary Jesus. And to really raise their anxiety level, Jesus tells them in verse 19, go to all the nations. Back in verse chapter 10, he sent them only to the Jews, to the hood, to the comfort zone, to the folks who ate what they ate and lived like they lived. It will come, it will come around. He said, now, now, I want you to expand this to everybody. Jews and non-Jews. Nobody's excluded. What? Prejudice Peter? Yeah. But he gives them assurance. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. He gave them an assignment. The same omnipotent God in verse 18 is now the omnipresent God in verse 20. He is saying, I'll be with you. He's saying, I'm not going to leave you. Now, contextually, it's in the context of discipleship. So he's saying, when you do this, I'll do that. I ain't going to leave you. 
ain't going to just send you out there as sheep among wolves. I'll be with you. Because this is hard. This becomes under a great adversarial attack. Discipleship is not a straight line. It's a zigzag. It's hard. But Jesus says, I'll be with you. He's saying, I never left you. Even when you were in the storm in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, I didn't leave you. When you left me, I never left you. I won't leave you, friendship. I won't leave you, mom. I won't leave you, daddy. I'll be right there with you. I myself, to the end of the age, until time is no more. So there is no today or tomorrow or the next day. When time ceases, I'll still be with you. And I won't leave you. So I tell you, friendship, remember you're not in this alone. You're not in this by yourself. There's power. Power that be delegated to you. There's power to pick you up and power to bring you through. Jesus said there's power and you're not by yourself. The internet was ablaze several years ago of a story out of China. This man that was 68 years old died. Lao Pain was his name. And he died, but people die all the time, so that wasn't the reason for the explosion on the internet. The reason for the explosion was the very fact that, that Lao Pain had a pet. He had a dog. He had a canine. And the canine found out where he was buried, and he wouldn't leave. He just stayed there, and he stayed there. Folks tried to pull the dog away and, and, and bring him to their house, but he always found his way back to the cemetery where his master was. And he stayed there, and he stayed there, and he stayed there, until finally came with a very novel idea. We're going to build a kennel right beside his cemetery plot because this dog ain't going nowhere. And no matter what we do to the dog, the dog will never, ever leave his master. He's going to forever be right here. And I thought about that. If an old canine can be that committed to a dead master, then how much more can Christ our King be committed to us as his living children? I'm saying that the Lord is saying no matter what they do, when they try to drag me off and drag me out, I will not leave you. No matter what comes your way, no matter what hits your house, I'm here to tell you that I'm King of kings and I'm Lord of lords and I will not leave you. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's nowhere you will ever go that God won't be. Have you read your Bible? Did not the Lord say to Isaiah, when you walk through the water, you won't drown. When you walk through the fire, you won't burn up because I am with you and I'll be with you always. Did you read your Bible when David said, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not walk. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and dark, thou shalt never leave me. You're going to be with me always. Did you read your Bible? Hebrews 13, 5 says, guess what? And I'm with you always throughout Genesis to Revelation. We don't serve a God who leaves us high and dry. We don't serve a God. We got to sue for non-child support. We got a God who takes care of us. And I'm with you. I'm with you, friendship, always. In fact, that's why we're still here. We ain't here because of our goodness and our greatness and our tithes and offerings. We're still here because God 
is with us. He's been with us and he will be with us. So God is saying today, don't drift off. Somebody today, God is saying, stop drifting because I am with you. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that within me. Bless his name. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Here's the moment of decision. In this house and in your house. The first invitation is an invitation to Jesus Christ. God sent those disciples that one day the same message wouldn't make it to you. We're here because this gospel went from Jerusalem and Galilee throughout the whole world, through the continent of Africa, to Europe, went around the whole globe and made it here and made it to you. And now God wants to meet you right in this sanctuary, right online. He wants to meet you. He wants you right here, right now to become part of his family. And he'll never leave you. He won't just be around you. He'll be in you. But you got to choose Christ. God is a savior. We are sinners. And we need a redeemer. He is that. He loves you. He loves you now. He died for you. Buried for you. Was raised for you. And he wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you. That starts now and extends throughout eternity. But you got to come to him. Will you today, please, ma'am, please, sir, will you make a decision today to hand over the reins of your life to Jesus Christ? I give you me. Right where you are, it's time. Time is past time for you to give your life to Christ. Here's a prayer. I'll lead you in a word of prayer. Here's a prayer. Every head bowed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm a sinner, and you are a Savior. I know you love me. I know you want me. Today, I stop fighting you. I believe in you. I give you me. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. 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 You pray that prayer to receive Jesus Christ. Lift your hands up. You pray that prayer to receive Jesus Christ. Lift your hand up. Give your hand to one of these counselors. Give your heart to the Lord. Is there one? Is there one? Is there one? Did you pray that prayer to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? Did you pray that prayer to receive Christ as your Savior? My second invitation is for you to join the church. God bless you. 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 God bless you, my sister. God bless you. The power of the gospel. The power of the gospel. Amen. The power of the gospel. To join this church. God's calling you to friendship, a place to begin again. Will you join this church right here, right now? Praise God, praise God, praise God for your responsibility. Will you join this church right here, right now? Will you join this church right here, right now? Will you cross the line of commitment and join this church right here, right now?